All right, welcome back. Hey, everybody. Hi, hi, hey. hi. Hey, hey, hey. Boo, boo, bear. <laughs> sounded like... It's Fat Albert. Oh, it made me think of... Um, why can't Yogi I... Bear? Yogi Bear, right? No, this is Fat Albert. Hey, hey, hey. And this is Yogi Bear. Ah, uh, yo, boo, boo. Ah, uh, yo, boo, boo. <laughs> hey, hey. Yo, yo, nicely. <laughs> well, you just got all those cartoon characters down. <laughs> They're all terrible. <laughs> no, my wow. goofy is good, though. Your goofy is excellent. Everything else is horrible, but my goofy is, like, top-notch. I could work at Disney. <laughs> As long as all I could, all I had to say was "Hulk, Hulk, Maxie." As long as that's all I had to say. Anyway, hey everybody, I'm Latara. Hi, I'm Laura, and this is Passions, Passions Podcast. Podcast. So today, this is episode twenty-six of our podcast, that's right? And we're talking about episodes forty-four and forty-five of Passions. Mm-hmm. Forty-four was quite the ride. Wowza! It was one of those episodes where a lot happened, but I also was frustrated. It's like things were happening, but I was still getting frustrated throughout. Yeah, he, so I've noticed that you you do get frustrated when things don't go your way, <laughs> and you just kind of you just so when, it, when it comes to the show, and you just have to understand that it's never going to go your way. Like you have, like it's one of those things where it's like you just can't get wrapped up in it, like you do with other television shows. Um, like that's like I've come to I've come to grips with this, and I'm just like I'm going in with an attitude of disappointment always, <laughs> so that when something good does happen, I'm pleasantly surprised, elated, as opposed to constantly being let down fully disappointed <laughs> I, you know yeah i get i get frustrated because it does it just takes so long to yeah. do simple shit and it's getting anno- it's getting annoying because i don't i don't mind it i love again i love a good soap opera yeah. i really do and passions is one of the best but oh, this grace and faith shit is getting ridiculous mm. but we got a little bit of resolution today like a little oh bit. my gosh a lot are you kidding uh, a little. Let's. It wasn't satisfying. We'll get into it. We'll I, get into well, it. Okay. It wasn't very satisfying. I think we feel for differently me. about it. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't very satisfying for me. Okay, so let's start. Where does this episode start? At Lighthouse Park. All right. Where Simone is sitting alone in the dark, staring off in the space, thinking about the choices she has made in Friends, and that you know, because remember, the last time we saw Kay and Simone. Kay had just slapped the shit out of Simone. For, and she slapped her because Simone like was trying to get her to do the right thing. Yeah. And just went around her and did the right thing for her. Mm-hmm. And told her mom where to find Miguel and Charity. Right. So Simone has gone to the park to deal with her emotions because I guess she doesn't feel good about going home either. Like, Simone has nowhere to go. Yeah. I feel bad for Simone. I know. I feel bad for Simone. Well, Kay has, like, stalked her there, of course, mm-hmm. and comes... And tries to apologize to her. Mm-hmm. Right? And she's like, in her head, she's like, I'm sure Simone will never forgive me. You know, I, I don't I don't expect her to forgive me, but I'm going to try anyway, basically. Mm-hmm. So she goes over and starts to talk to Simone. And some, she is correct. Simone is not accepting her apology. No. And I love it. Because Kay walks up and is like, she apologizes for slapping her. And Simone goes, I've got news for you, Kay. You've lost more than Miguel. You've lost your best friend, too. Like, she is not accepting this apology. Because it's half-hearted. It is half-hearted. And it's bullshit. Like, she slapped her. Mm. There's no coming back from that for right. me. Same. I agree. I, don't, I just don't have any friends that, if they put their hands on me, th- there's, just no, there's just no reason for it. Mm-mm. You know, unless I'm, like, literally possessed by a devil or something. I don't care if I'm literally possessed by a devil. No, if I'm possessed by a devil, <laughs> then, and, like, spewing, like, pea soup and my head spinning around and shit, and you got, and you have, like, the courage to subdue me, go for it. Yeah, but that's not real. No, it's like, not, not going to happen. It's not real, it's but just, that's you know, what I'm saying. Like, that's, but that's my point, is that 
I don't have any friends that I would we could be come back from you yeah. putting your hands on me. So she yeah. slapped her. But Simone's not really taking the apology. No. And she takes Kay to task. Because Kay is fucking awful and she deserves to be taken to task. And Simone makes the same good point over and over, which is, are you saying that your mom should never meet her own twin sister just because you like a boy? Mm-hmm. And Kay is like, well, she's waited 20 years already with a few more months. Girl, she turns it around on faith. Yeah. And says, like, why hasn't she found my mom by now? It's been 20 years. Mm -hmm. What was she doing? Like, my mom has amnesia. She has an excuse, but why hasn't her sister found her? She obviously hasn't been working hard enough to find her. She never really wanted to. Like, any lie that she can tell herself to feel better about this situation and how shitty she is being, she will tell that lie to herself. She... Oh, she's awful. And she comes up with this cockamamie, like, plan about how once Charity's out of the picture, Miguel will fall in love with her. And then once she's secure in her relationship with Miguel, then she's going to help her mom find her sister. I mean, it's fucking awful. She says she's waited 20 years. What's a few more months? Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. Horrible. This girl is the worst. And Simone's like, what you did was wrong and you know it. And Kay gets defensive again. Oh, I'm not a bad person. Simone didn't call you a bad person. You just called yourself a bad person. Because yeah, you know the truth about who you are. She's like, I'm not a bad person, Simone. You don't think I'm a bad person, do you? And emotionally manipulates Simone in right. that moment. If it had been me, if I was in Simone's shoes, I flat out would have been like, yeah, I'm starting to think you are a bad person. Mm -hmm. Period. But no, Simone's like, no, I don't think you're a bad person. And Kay's like, I've always been there to, for you, haven't I, Simone? I've always been such a good friend to you, haven't I, Simone? And Simone's like, yeah, you've always been a good friend to me. Until you slapped me, bitch! Look. No, she's never been a good friend to Simone. Are you kidding? From what, And I know we've only seen them for 40, however many episodes, but she's not a good friend to Simone. Mm -mm. She doesn't listen to Simone. She doesn't ask Simone what she wants to do. She tells her what she wants to do, and she treats her like a fucking crony. Yeah. She's not a friend. A friend she is not. Mm -mm. No. I can't stand this. No, I can't, can't stand, stand it. it. I can't stand them. I can't stand them. I can't stand them. Yeah, she's awful to Simone. And yeah, she manipulates Simone into like making her feel better about being shitty to Simone. Yeah. I mean, she's awful. Yeah. So, so Simone like forgives her. She's like, I, I forgive you. She says, but you have a problem when it comes to guys. Mm -hmm. And... <laughs> She says, look, you made up this whole The Harmony Hunk contest. You were willing to basically throw away your mother's only chance to meet her sister mm -hmm. all for a guy. And then Kay kind of turns it around and starts to talk about how much she loves Miguel. I just really deeply dislike, dislike Kay yeah. in this moment. Because everything that Simone says to her that she should evaluate about herself, mm -hmm. she like kind of flips it around and turns it around and places blame elsewhere. Yes. She can't accept who she is and the things that she does. And she tries to place the blame on anyone except herself. And then after Simone accepts Kay's apology, Kay is like, well, once I have Miguel, I'm going to help my mom find her sister. And... Starts going off about how she's going to get Miguel and she needs to, like, get off the softball team and she, in order to have him see her as a woman. And she's going to make sure that she ends up being his prom date because she doesn't want to go to dances alone. And she's like, and then once I have that, I'll help you find somebody too, Simone. And everybody will be so jealous of us because we'll have the hottest guys in school. It's like, girl, you are so utterly delusional. Well, and, and everyone, like, 
is an afterthought. Her and your best friend is an afterthought. And she's like, well, I'm going to help myself. And after I help myself, I'm going to help you. And she expects her to be grateful for it. Her priorities are all out of whack. Yeah. Kay, yeah, I wrote, like, as soon as Simone forgives Kay, Kay immediately starts to scheme on how to get Miguel. Yeah. Like, immediately. It's like, okay, I slapped you, whatever. Now we're moving back to, now back to me. Mm-hmm. Basically. Mm-hmm. So, let's leave them at the park. Yeah. And let's talk about Tabitha. Let's talk about this scene with Timmy and Tabitha. They're driving in the car. Yep. They're, they've just left the Standish house where Tabitha has caused a little packing peanut cyclone indoors. And um, I think this whole scene is just kind of the result of not having a budget for effects. <laughs> because they're driving in the car, listening to like very loud, very bad music. And then Timmy's like, turn the shit off. Yeah. Tabitha's like, but I like it. And she's like, I got to recharge the battery because that little windstorm really took it out of me. Mm-hmm. And then she gets a weird feeling. She's like, oh, my God, I have a strange feeling. And then this bright white light appears. But we don't get to see the other side of of that, which is the angel. And we also don't get to hear the conversation from the angel. Like, it's all this one-sided inexpensive way of shooting the scene. Well, and then, so they're in the car, headed back to Harmony, the light appears, and then Tabitha's like, oh, it's that angel. And she takes out a butterfly net? Yeah, she goes, she's been a thorn in my side for centuries. And forces Timmy to take the wheel. Yeah, Timmy take the Timmy take the wheel, and then she leans out of the window, the With driver's a butterfly side, yeah. to catch an angel. Yep. Also, Timmy's a doll. He shouldn't be driving a car. Just would like to point that out. And yeah, he, takes and he out, wasn't driving the car. Takes out a butterfly net to catch an angel. I mean, please. What are we doing? What is this? Doesn't that though doesn't that sound like a cute little like children's story or like a little children's movie? Yeah. It's like to catch an angel and it's like a kid with a butterfly net who thinks he can catch an angel. Yeah, but this is a centuries old witch. I know. I'm you just know, saying doesn't that sound cute? It to does catch sound an angel. cute. You should write a little children's I'm story. I'm not doing that shit. I can't take on any more projects. <laughs> so So yeah, so she tells this angel that she won't ruin her plans and it's not going to work this time, and yeah. I, I've, I'm going to crush them, and, you know, just this one-sided conversation. We don't hear what the angel has to say to her. Yeah. We don't even know if she catches the angel, really. Like, she just... I don't think she does. It doesn't seem like they do, because I'm not sure if they crash the car or kind of pull over. Timmy or... crashes the car. Timmy crashes the car, yeah. and I don't think she's successful in catching the angel. Because Timmy asks a really good question. He goes, well... Because Tabitha's like, oh, I won. We don't have to worry about this. Like, this is just... This is not a big deal. Like, we, we, we're good. Yeah. And Timmy's like, well, if you won, then why is the angel back? Right. You know what I mean? So I don't think she succeeded in capturing the angel. Right. So Timmy crashes the car, of course, Mm -hmm. because he, I think he only has like those gloves. They're not even whole hands. Have you seen that? He's got those gloves. Yeah. Like, of course he crashed the car. Poor thing. He tried, but he, have, have you ever been in the car with somebody who's like, take the wheel? Uh, no. Oh my god. So, my ex-boyfriend Justin used to do that all the time. And oh I my fucking god. hated That's it. That's so dangerous. I hated it. And sometimes he, would, he knew I hated it, so he would do it just to, like, frustrate me. Just wow. to, like, make me, like, upset. That's why he's my ex. Yeah. <laughs> like, wow, that's fucked up. Like, it's like, we would be in my car. It's like, if anything happens, it's my car. It's also that your life. That's true. Yeah, I would have to, like, take the wheel. Wow. He was, like, doing something with his hair or something. I hate it. Tara, that's crazy. He put your life at risk because he thought it was funny? <laughs> to see you freak out? That's fucked up. Are you serious? That's super fucked up. It is. Well, he had his strong points. Well, <laughs> that wasn't one of them. That wasn't one of them. 
All right. So, <sighs> so anyway, to, to wrap up with the car, they've crashed the car. It won't start. Tabitha and Timmy talk a little bit. And she goes, oh, I, she, she sniffs. She goes, I smell trouble. Yeah, like, Uh-oh. <laughs> I smell trouble. It was so silly. And then they finally do get the car to start. And Tabitha's like, we got to haul ass back to town. Yeah. So <laughs> let's go back to Harmony. Yeah. What's happening in Harmony? Back in Harmony at the Bennett home. Miguel is on the phone with Charity, right? right. Yes. And th- this is a conversation that is a holdover from the previous episode. So Miguel has told Charity, Grace Bennett is your mother's twin sister. Right. And so this conversation happens between them, and then they pass the phone to Grace and Faith, but it's complicated. Well, <laughs> if you will recall, if uh, you know, if you listened to the last episode or watched this you will remember that Faith did not want Charity go back to go back into the house to answer the phone in the first place. Mm-hmm. She was ready to just go. So Faith is still outside. Charity has disobeyed her mother, as she does, mm. and has gone back inside and answered the phone. And so while she's on the phone with Miguel, and Miguel's giving her the good news, her mom peeks back into the door and says, Charity, it's time to go now. Get <laughs> off the phone. We're leaving now. Like, she is pissed. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I get it. I get it. Yeah. There is evil. Yeah. There's evil afoot. We're, we're trying to outrun evil. Yeah. But Charity pleads with her mom, like, no, mom, they found your sister. Grace Bennett is your sister. And so Faith comes back in and is telling Charity, put the phone down and let's go. It's yeah. a trick. It's a fucking trick. I'm not buying it. And on the other side of the phone, Miguel is talking to Grace Bennett and is like, please say something to Charity that will convince her mother to get on the phone with you. Like, you have to try. Yeah. You can't. It's not going to come from her. She's too scared. Like, you have to do some of the work. You can't just sit here and wait, you know? And so Mrs. Bennett, Grace, gets on the phone and starts talking to Charity. And who pokes their fucking head in the door? Tabitha. Tabitha. And I said, how the fuck did she get back to the Bennett home? How? Her car wouldn't start. Her car, yes. She had, the, she had the butterfly angel thing. The car wouldn't start. When they did, they were on their way back from Castleton. Like, like Castleton must be 10 minutes away. I mean, a 10-minute walk, a two-minute like, drive. Because I, I don't even, I just don't understand. Yeah. I don't understand. But anyway, so, and that pissed me mm-hmm. off. I, like, threw my phone down. <laughs> I mean, look, the time-space continuum does not exist in passions. I was like, of course Tabitha shows up. Of course she does. Of course she shows up. So Tabitha peeks her little head in through the door and notices that they're on the phone and kind of comes in. Charity talks to her mom and says, look, Grace Bennett is your sister. You liked her. Remember? Remember when y'all talked on the phone and you said that she gave you a good feeling and blah, blah, blah. Felt like you were old friends. Yeah. But Faith is still scared. Like, she's still scared. She's She's just like... No, this is probably a trick. Yeah, she's waffling back and forth. Like, you can tell that she wants it to be real, and she and she knows she did have that authentic connection with Mrs. Bennett when they spoke on the phone. So she wants it to be real, but her fear is kind of holding her back. Yeah. So back and forth, back and forth, and finally, Grace starts talking to Faith. They, these yeah. women finally get on the phone, and they start to have a conversation. Yep. And just when that happens, Tabitha pushes all the way into the house, goes, knock, knock, and Sam goes... Ugh, Tabitha. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love Sam. <laughs> Tabitha. His reaction. He hates her. He hates her just as a neighbor. I love it. He doesn't even know she's a witch. He doesn't even know she's a witch. He just doesn't like her he as a person. He doesn't like her. He's got good judgment. Uh-huh. 
And so as Grace and Faith are talking and everything's feeling really good, once Tabitha enters the room, Faith can feel it on that side of the phone. She's like, oh my God, I was feeling really good, but all of a sudden I feel like a shadow, a dark presence has has walked over. It's like it's like I'm dead and someone something evil has walked over my grave. Yeah. Yeah. And then Faith is like, I gotta get off this phone. Like that I don't think this is right. I don't think blah blah blah. And Grace <laughs> This is so stupid. This was so Grace stupid. Starts to Grace starts to cough and she's like <coughs> No, <laughs> and Faith's like, "What's wrong? Are you sick?" And she's like, "Grace goes, no, I just cough when I'm really nervous." It's like you're not nervous. Are you nervous? And then I guess nervous that she would never talk to her again or see her again. Oh, I think I associate nervousness with like performing, oh. like performance anxiety kind of stuff. So like for me, it would be I feel overwhelmed. I feel scared. Nervous just wouldn't. I don't think I. I, I think I just didn't understand it yeah. that way. It's just like nervousness yeah. and just, uh, yeah, nervous energy. Yeah. Okay. But she is coughing and is nervous, coughing because of her nervousness, I guess. And Faith goes, starts to laugh and goes, oh my God, <laughs> my sister Grace always coughed when she was nervous. It is you. Oh. And so they finally, we finally kind of get to that realization, even though we've done this, tw- this is the second time we've done this, really. Yeah. They did it over the internet. But this time it's a little bit better. They get closer because they're actually talking mm-hmm. voices, voice to voice. And so then they kind of make a plan to meet tomorrow. Well, Grace, even though Grace wants to come over immediately. She which wants, she, should. she She and Sam want to drive to Castleton, which they should. But Faith is like, it's too dangerous. You cannot be out after dark. Like, we know evil is on our tail. Uh, because Grace tells her about the angel. Yeah. So, you know, they Faith believes it, but she's too afraid for them to be out after after the sun has gone down. So right. they instead make a plan to meet in the morning. <sighs> Which is the most... See, so this is why this frustrated me. Mm. Because, like, you were satisfied by this, but I know this shit is not happening. It's not happening. It's not fucking happening. Well... I don't it's know. not happening. I don't and know. You know. You know why I know it's not happening? Because multiple people in this episode said, oh, nothing can go wrong now. Oh, I'll, I'll see you tomorrow. Anytime I watch a TV show or a movie and someone says to like their significant other or they're like leaving home and they're like, I'll, I'll see you tonight at six or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's like, that person's going to die. Oh, so. So often huh. that happens when somebody like is like, I love you so much and. And we get to, like, some sort of resolution, and they're like, I'll see you later. Yeah. We don't ever see them again. There is no resolution. Okay. Yeah. I just... No. I just... And the pro- and the thing is, so many people said it, and they and they have cursed themselves. Mm. They, you know, it's just... That's the curse. When you, say, yeah. when you start saying, like, nothing can go wrong now, it's exactly when something wrong can go wrong. See, something wrong. Something wrong can go wrong. <laughs> yeah. It's exactly when something right can go right. Yeah. Uh, for me, I, um, I got the resolution I wanted because, like, we were heading towards a phone call. So once they finally got on the phone and, like, admitted that they were family and mm-hmm. that it's not some trick, that she's not a con artist, that it's not evil masquerading as her sister. Like, for me, that in of itself was enough of a resolution. You know, do I want them to meet face-to-face? Of course I do. Does the show want them to meet face-to-face? Probably not. Yeah, it's not enough of a resolution for me because Faith remembers Grace, but Grace doesn't remember Faith. Right. And I need them to actually meet. I I need to for Grace to have that moment. Yeah. You know, that true realization. It would be nice. Think but about how crazy it would be to have a to not to have a twin in the world, mm-hmm. and you didn't know you had a twin, and then meet them. I agree with and you. And important, but it's not that kind of show, right? Yeah, no, I know, and that's yeah. why I'm like annoyed and well, frustrated. But that's why I'm not annoyed because I know it's not that kind of show. 
All shows are that kind of show, though. Every The whole point of watching a show is to get to a resolution. Right. Right. And we've been doing this for 45 episodes. But but that's what Passions is. Like, that's what I have come to learn is, like, there's just going to be a lot of buildup. And then because there's so much buildup that the resolutions are never going to be satisfying because they can't be big enough. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I'm... That's... I mean, I've only seen 40... What episode am I? 45? Well, 45. Like, I've only seen 45 episodes of the show, but that's what it feels like to me. Oh. It's not... It's not... I'm not having as big of a roller coaster as you are. Yeah, it's... No, it's not as satisfying. So... As far as soap operas go, because, like, I love Passions. Don't get me wrong. I love Passions and have seen the majority of it. I just disagree that the payoff is never, like, satisfying. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times it really is. Okay. Right? Like, a lot of times it, we just when, haven't when you finally get there, you're like, yeah, that's right. great. And this storyline, I'm telling you, is, like, absurdly long. Oh, okay. It, it is. It's abs- it's absurdly long. Okay. So I think because this is really the only soap opera I've watched and, like, it is introduced like this, where every payoff has been a letdown, really, like, I just assume that's kind of what soap operas are. Have know? we really gotten many pay? Well, that's not true, though, because we get, we've been getting, we were getting some really good, like, yes moments. Right. But, like, that's true, but they were so small. You know, like, the, the big storyline is Grace and her sister, and they have, like, faked us out so many times that it doesn't feel special when we don't get a fake No, out. I think that's I think that's kind of my point, is that it this has been stretched out beyond what it needs to, needs yeah. to have been, even for a soap opera. That is my yeah. point. Okay. Yeah. Like, and so, we could have gotten, like, some really great resolution by now. Mm-hmm. Even if it, even if they did this 10 episodes ago. Yeah. It would have been, I would have been like, oh, okay. If they had done this 10 episodes ago, it would have been way better. But for me, the, what they're doing now seems uh, like the way I, what am I trying to say? Because we've done this runaround too many times. Right. At this point. And this feels exactly big enough for how many runarounds they've put us through. You know what I mean? Okay. It, it doesn't, it, do, it doesn't seem to me like they want us, I don't know what I'm trying to explain. All I know is too many people in this episode said nothing can go wrong now and so everything's gonna go wrong. Yeah. That's all I know. And and I think that's part of why it's frustrating me so much because I already know that we have... This is yet another runaround. I think that's what my problem is. Mm -hmm. Is that they are leading us to believe that this is the resolution and every other time I knew this is not the resolution. And this time it's like how could this not be the resolution? And I know it's still not. Mm -hmm. And I also know we're not gonna get it. Yeah. Like, I, ju- I just know we're not going to get it. It's not coming. And that's what's frustrating me. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times you do get really great resolution. And I think... And then they move into a new arc. I think the exact same thing that's frustrating you is not frustrating me. Yeah. You're like, I know that it's not going to happen and that frustrates you. And I'm like, I know it's not going to happen, so why be frustrated? I think that's what I'm trying to say. Oh, okay. For, for me, um, also... At the point where great where Faith was like, it's a trick, it's a trick. I was literally like, just go. It's a trap. Just leave. Just leave. I because th- for me at that point it's like, this I need this to be resolved one way or another. Mm-hmm. Either y'all meet each other or you fucking leave forever. But either way, I would have been fine. Yeah. To be honest, either way, I would have been fine. Just, I just need to stop with this bullshit. Anything to stop drawing it out. I need to stop with this bullshit and get back to Teresa. Yeah. <laughs> Truly. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So they're on the phone. Grace coughs, and they're definitely sisters. Yeah, I, it's whatever. <laughs> I mean, that's how I feel about it. I'm like, whatever. I was really excited about like the twin stuff and all this, but like, like, like I just said, it's like I don't see the point in being frustrated because we know that it's not going to be resolved. So like, why care? That's kind of how I feel. Yeah, but if you're not going to care about, it, then why watch the show? Because we're doing a great podcast. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I care. I do. I mean, I do. I don't know. Whatever. Okay, so they're having this conversation on the phone. 
while they're on the phone, Tabitha comes in. Miguel says, isn't it great? Mrs. Bennett found her sister and it's Charity's mom. Charity doesn't have to leave. Yeah, he basically like spills the beans to Tabitha and confirms all of her worst fears that these this family is going to be reunited. And so that lights a fire yeah. for her. She's like, well, shit, what am I going to do? She has a true like somewhat fainting moment. Yeah. Like she, she, her knees go weak. Like she's like, oh. And Miguel's like, are you okay, Tabitha? And she's like, yeah, I'm just a little, yeah, I'm fine. I'm just overjoyed. <laughs> <laughs> and then she kind of is trying to excuse herself and Sam goes, don't you want to stay to congratulate Grace and talk to Grace about this? And she's like, oh, I'm just so overjoyed. I need to go home. <laughs> like, I gotta go. I'm too happy to be here. So Tabitha takes her ass back home and tells Timmy, we, I gotta do something. Yeah, she tells Timmy, she's like, I have to destroy Charity and Faith before dawn. Yeah, tonight. 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 She's like, I have to impose emergency measures. I gotta go to the basement. Yeah, because Timmy says, well, Tabitha, how are you gonna do that? Because you said that your powers, you have to recharge your powers, and you, you know, you can't do anything for a little while. And she's like, I'm gonna have to go to the basement, man. Yeah, she's like, whatever you hear, and whatever smell. you smell, don't come downstairs. Yeah, she <laughs> goes into the basement, and she's scared. She is. Timmy, like, wishes her the best of luck, and mm-hmm. they are both scared shitless. She opens the door and like it's all red and smoke emerges and down she goes down, down she to the goes cellar to the, to the basement to talk to the devil. Yep. So Charity and everybody else thinks nothing can go wrong tonight, but Tabitha has braved the basement, so I'm sure some shit mm. is gonna go all the way down. Mm-hmm. So that's everything with that storyline right yeah. now. Yeah, I think the last thing we need to talk about is the lobster shack. The lobster shack, baby, lobster shack. Oh, hey, hey. lobster shack, baby, lobster shack. Loving it. Oh, the Lofter Shack. So remember over at the Lofter Shack, Sheridan, Hank, Luis, and Beth are all on a double date. (laughs) And then a magic show happens. (laughs) They're all on a double date. And then the Lofter Shack has this entertainment, Misha the Great or whatever, a magician. And Sheridan has gotten into a box. Yeah, she's supposed to disappear. She kind of, in order to spite Luis, she got into a box, even though she was scared to do it. And has been locked inside the box. And let me tell you, this was heartbreaking. Sheridan is in this box and it's bringing back all these flashbacks and horrible memories for her. And Mm -hmm. she starts screaming and crying and becomes so disoriented that she just doesn't really know what's going on. But she's over and over. She's saying, I'm not wicked. I'm not. Let me out. I I didn't didn't mean to do it. Mm -hmm. I didn't do it. Mm -hmm. And in the flashback, the voice is, you did mean to do it, Sheridan. You are wicked. And this poor woman is just... Reliving this awful moment. Oh, I felt so bad. So she's in the box screaming, let me out. And luckily, Hank and Louise can hear her. There's like a lull in sound and they hear her screaming to get out. And they both rush up to the stage to try to get her out of the box. And they tell the magician, like, open this box. And he tries to open the padlock. He padlocked her into a box. He padlocked her into a box. Like, on top of that. He could hear her screaming. Yeah. And when he, when she did, and there was a lull in sound, he started to play the piano to cover, cover up the up, screaming. Cover it up. And Luis and Hank just happened to hear it and forced their way onto the stage to release this woman. I mean, Misha is fucked up. Yeah. Yeah, so she's locked in this box. He padlocked her in and tried to trap her there, even when he heard that it was more than upsetting to her. I mean, right. she's going through it. I, poor Sheridan. And then... 
they're trying to break into the box. It's not working. And Luis is like, well, there's got to be a false back or a false bottom because mm-hmm. you were supposed to disappear her. So how do we access that? And Misha's like, well, there isn't. It's just a regular box. So then what's the fucking trick? You <laughs> yeah. lock a woman in a box? Where's the trick? Where's the magic? Where's the trick? Where are the jokes? Where are the tricks? <laughs> like, I don't understand. What's the illusion? Yeah. You know, like, does he, like, I, do, I like, at that point, I was like, what is the fucking point of this whole thing? Yeah. Like, where is the trick? Maybe, maybe it's not a false bottom. Maybe it's like a thing that falls down over her. Maybe. And so it looks like it's an empty box again. But then how do they release that? Like, there has to be like... Like, then he closes the box and then maybe it lifts back up. Yeah. And then he opens the box and she comes out. I guess. Or like, I don't know. like a mirror situation. I don't know. Anyway, yeah. it's it's a plywood box. So Ugh, covered in like purple crushed velvet and stars. They're trying to get this box open. Cannot get it open. Sheridan is going through it inside. Oh, poor thing. Just yelling. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. It was heartbreaking. And then Luis gets an axe. And breaks the padlock with, yeah. the, with the axe. Very manly of him. It's very Paul Bunyan. Very masculine. And uh, he scoops her up out of the box and carries her out of the restaurant. It Aww. was amazing. It was I, so... Honestly, it was amazing because she really, she, no, I don't want to say reduced, but she was taken back to a place of of um childhood again mm-hmm. like she was an eight-year-old girl who was hysterical helpless and helpless yeah and she couldn't do anything and so she she did need to be carried and cradled yeah. and that's exact and that's exactly what Luis did and he got her out of that restaurant he got her outside sat her on a bench like you know tried to calm her down he was speaking very soothingly very kindly very like, hey it's okay it's okay yeah. you're just at we're at the lobster shack like, yeah. you're okay yeah but sheridan is Still completely disoriented. Oh, yeah. And keep saying, it wasn't my fault. It wasn't my fault. Mm-hmm. It wasn't my fault. And Hank and Luis both try to kind of comfort her. Yeah. Hank finally shows up. He had gone to get her, like, a glass of water. Because mm. I was like, why is Luis doing all of this? Where is Hank? So he finally comes back outside with a glass of water and, you know, gets her to take a sip of the water. But Luis is really doing the majority of the work here. The heavy lifting, if hey! you will. <laughs> the heavy lifting. <laughs> and trying to calm her down. And... Sheridan kind of looks up because she doesn't really know who's talking to her or where she is. And when she sees Luis's face, she immediately snaps back to reality and goes, I want to go home now. Yeah. She's like, what are you doing here? And he was like, this is the lobster shack. We were on a double date. Uh, I'm trying to help you. <laughs> yeah. She, well, she, but she really didn't know where she was. No, not at all. She, she didn't had no been clue transported. where she was. Yeah. yeah. And so something really snapped within her. She came, it's like she snapped back to reality, but was confused as to where the fuck she was. Yeah. And was completely shaken. Oh, yeah. So she wants to go home. Louise then starts to interrogate her. And it it, at first was kind of sweet. And then it became like bulldogish. Right? Like he, he's like, what were you, you were saying it it wasn't my fault. It wasn't my fault. It sounds like someone has accused you of something that you didn't do. And Sheridan's like, I don't want to talk about this. Let me go home. Leave me alone. He's like, no, (laughs) you gotta, you need to answer for these crimes. Like what? It's like his police sensibilities were really, I don't know, like the alarms went off and like the sense of justice came in because he's like, you've been accused of something and I'm a, I'm a police officer and I have to, but he went about it completely wrong. Well, and I think what the show did not show us, but we were supposed to gather from it, I think, is that Luis knows the cranes do illegal shit Mm. and cover it up. And she's having some sort of flashback Mm. to something horrible 
horrible that happened. He's saying, like, it sounds like somebody got hurt, like something terrible happened, and somebody's trying to blame you for it, and you are saying that you didn't do it. Mm Mm-hmm. So it seems to me part of that is his, like, intense hate for the Cranes. Or not even hate for Cranes, but, like, his journey to seek out justice. Yeah. Right? And so, yeah, he gets a little inkling and, and then yeah. grabs onto it. And then yeah. Hank's like, hey, she's just gone through something really horrible. Give her a fucking break. We're gonna, I'm going to get you home. He takes her home. Yeah. Um, take, gets her out of there. He's like, don't traumatize her more than she already is. Yeah, it was, yeah, the way Louise handled that was fucked up. Yep. He started off, and it was, everything was right. Like, he did all the right things, he said all the right things, he was taking care of her the way she needed to be, and then he got triggered and then just went off, which is not helpful and was only going to hurt her more than, than help, you know? Yeah. It's going to harm her. So, yeah. Hank did the right thing, and was like, let's, let's get, let's get you home. Even though he was, he was, it was, the way he did it was wrong, but he was, like, trying to defend her in a way. He was, was he just weird. went about it the wrong way. It was kind of weird. Yeah. So, Hank takes her off, and what do Beth and Louise talk about? <laughs> well, Beth is like, wow, she's pretty claustrophobic, huh? <laughs> Fuck it, Beth. Like, come on. And Louise is like, well, if she was claustrophobic, she wouldn't have gotten in the box. It's something deeper than that. You know? And she goes, well, and Beth is like, well, I think she was just trying to impress you and Hank. Like, she, she is not as sensitive as I would have liked. Mm. Um, but it's clear that Louise has kind of sniffed out that there is a mystery to be solved. Mm-hmm. And Officer Lopez Fitzgerald is on, on the, the case. case. Good thing Frank Lomax isn't. Oh, my God. <laughs> So, they talk a little bit at the Lobster Shack, but that's pretty much it. That's pretty much where we leave those two, because the last little bit is Hank and Sheridan in the car. Right, and Sheridan says to Hank, did I say anything? What did I say while I was in the box? And he was like, basically the same stuff Luis was saying. You were saying, like, I didn't do this. Um, It wasn't me. I'm not wicked. I think she was afraid, because whatever the secret is, it's um, between her family, and I mm-hmm. think she was afraid of saying something that would mm-hmm. reveal too much Absolutely. to outside people. And Hank also takes this moment to apologize on behalf of Luis, right. which I liked, that he defended him. He's like, look, he was trying to help, he went about it the wrong way, but you were saying things that you know made the alarm bells go off, because he is an officer, and blah, blah, blah. And Sher- poor Sheridan, she is just utterly traumatized by this. I f- the whole episode, I just felt so bad for her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also really impressed by the actress. Yeah, she did a great she job. She did a great job. She did a great we job. got to see like a lot more than just like a simpering woman in love. You a know? little bit more range besides the simpering woman and like the angry woman at Louise. Yeah. Which was always like pissed at Louise. Yeah, there was a lot more nuance and she yeah. I really enjoyed her performance. It was cute. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> but that very end, she looks out the window and she goes, I should have never come back. And I agreed whole, like, all the way. Yeah. I was like, yeah, no, you never should came. Like, go back to Paris. Well, you know. No, don't go back to Paris. Here's the thing. So when we found out at the beginning all the stuff about Princess Diana and she's in Paris and she's mourning her friend's death and all this other stuff, I thought it was so dumb. But now that we know that there's some a, a traumatic event that happened in her past and that she was fleeing the event and it was an, a convenient excuse to be in Paris to mourn Diana's death, like, it makes so much more sense to me. Mm. You know, like, she was just running away. Yeah. And also kind of running into another kind of sadness and another kind of trauma because she's comfortable living in that space, you know? Poor Sheridan. The more we learn, the more I'm starting to kind of sympathize with her. I mean, Sheridan, yeah, I mean, she's been through it. Yeah. We talked about that in the last episode, remember, where I was just like, listen to all the shit that has happened to Sheridan in the last six days. Yeah. And now we can add being trapped in a box to the Oh my God, this poor woman. Right? Having a PTSD episode Mm -hmm. inside of a locked, padlocked box to all the things that have happened to Sheridan Crane in the last six days of her life. Mm. It's crazy. But that's where we leave these people Mm -hmm. in harmony in episode 45. So, no, no, 44. This is episode 44. 
So we're going to take a little break and we'll be right back after these messages. <laughs> hey, hey. And we're back. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Hi. We're back. We're back from our little break. Are you back from your little break? I hope so. I hope you're listening. <laughs> so episode 45 starts with Teresa and Whitney. Yay! I love Teresa so much. I know you do. And you know what? Somebody <laughs> on the Instagram like made a, made the comment that Kay's not Kay's does basically the same things that Teresa does. I disagree. So far that is completely not true. They both are obsessive though. They're both obsessive. But Kay's However, fucking malignant. Kay is malignant. And Teresa has not intentionally done anything to harm, harm anybody. Yeah. Everything that has happened has been an accident, and she's never hurt anybody. And Kay has intentionally prevented her family from reuniting. Kay has literally hurt every single person that she claims to love around In her. her life. Yeah. She has hurt Jessica multiple times. Yeah. You know, they, yeah, they hate each other. They're sisters. Yeah. She has hurt Miguel. Mm-hmm. She has hurt her mother. Mm-hmm. And she slapped Simone in the mm-hmm. face and hurt her. And she's also a sexual predator. Yep. On top of all of that. Yep. So, no. Yeah. Teresa is a lovable lunatic. Uh, yeah. And yes, both of the girls are obsessive and have like misplaced their affections as they think, you know, as they like to think. But um, the way they've handled it and, like, the core of their being is completely different. (laughs) Teresa would never do anything to intentionally hurt her family. Teresa would never never slap Whitney. Never. I just don't see it ever happening. Mm -hmm. Well, who knows? We got thousands of episodes left to watch. Mm. So, anyway. That's true. Who knows? Who knows what the future holds? We open this episode with Teresa and Whitney down at the harbor? I thought they were at the harbor, but then it seemed like they were at the park. I wrote down Sunset and Harmony because it was very unclear where they were. Yeah, I don't know where they... Either the the harbor or the park. I assume the harbor because that's the last place we saw them. So yeah. I assume she, they, she finished changing her clothes and they're still like walking around there. I guess Harmony's a small town, so they can get from one place to the well, think, other pretty easily. I think the last time we saw them, they had stopped by Teresa's house to drop off her disguise. So maybe oh, they're like okay. walking from the Lopez Fitzgerald house to the park or to the harbor. Like it looked like they were like in they, an, an undisclosed location yeah. that was like they had park benches and stuff. Yeah, but it wasn't was Lighthouse like, Park. Well, they had ice cream. I don't know. They were. I don't know. They're talking, and so they they're talking a little bit. And Teresa has a flashback of Ethan telling Frank Lomax to get off of this case. This is done. She mm-hmm. swoons a little bit, and Whitney says to her, "Look." Frank will definitely recognize you mm-hmm. out of your costume, out of your disguise. He would definitely recognize you. You're not off the hook. Like, bring your ass, Tweety Bird ass, back down to, <laughs> to Earth. Yeah. Okay? She's, she's like, you gotta be careful, girl. And Teresa's like, nope, I'm not wearing the disguise anymore, except when I'm at the Crane Mansion. Like, I am scot-free. Yeah. And Whitney's like, come on, girl, you are really pushing the limits here. What are you gonna do? And so Teresa kind of moves past this by not addressing it and instead mm-hmm. teasing Whitney about Frank Lomax because we are just not going to let this one go. Girl, we're leaning in. Oof. They are leaning into this. Leaning into it. Oh, and it is problematic at best. Yep. <laughs> like, it's just... Yep. They're leaning in. So Teresa teases her about, I see the way you look at him and how he looks at you. Ooh. You want his big manly arms around you. Yeah. And Whitney is like, ugh, no. 
you know what? Tonight's pizza night at the book cafe. I'm going to go get some pizza. And Teresa tells her to order a slice for her. Yes. But where the fuck is Teresa going? I was confused. I <laughs> thought that Whitney, thank you for bringing this up. I thought that Whitney was going to go like pick their stuff up or like kind of order out and then like bring it back to the yeah. bench so they, where they were so they could just like eat all the fresco, you know? Yeah. But when it Whitney, still wouldn't make sense, though. Why wouldn't she just go with her? I don't know. Yeah, because it was like, why is Teresa gonna wait back here? Like, I just, I did not understand this. But either way, Teresa stays behind, and Whitney goes off to the book cafe for pizza night. Meanwhile, also prowling around in the darkness <laughs> is Lomax, <laughs> Frank fucking Lomax, walking around, being determined to solve this case and find the stalker. And, of course, he sees a sign about fucking pizza night at the book cafe, and he goes, mmm, yum, pizza. Yeah, he's like, I gotta solve this case, but first, I'm starving, gotta eat some pizza. <laughs> <laughs> so he's headed to the book cafe, uh, too. Of course he is. Of course he is. So, when he goes to the pizza cafe, she's sitting there. The pizza cafe. Whatever it is. <laughs> the book cafe, the pizza cafe, I don't know, this place changes I, don't, I still don't know if the coffee shop and the book cafe are the same place or Right, not. because at this point, Beth is, so maybe, hear me out. Maybe the book cafe is, like, one way during the first part of the day, and then they kind of close down and set up for dinner, or set up for, like, the evening part, because Beth was there, and she closed everything down, yeah. and went to the lobster shack. We're all in the same day and the same time. Yeah. So, she closed everything down, nobody was in there, and then she went to the lobster shack. Wait, I'm going to look at the map. Okay, so we're here consulting our map. And it has the pizza shop being next to the youth center, which is next to the book cafe. But the signs in the show specifically say that it's pizza night at, at the, the book, book cafe. cafe. Yeah, it's pizza night at the book cafe, which I'm sure pisses off the pizza shop, right? Like, <laughs> Which that... is right next door. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't you be pissed? <laughs> They're trying to steal our business. I don't understand. Maybe it's an inaccurate map. Maybe nobody knows how Harmony is set up because it doesn't make any sense. Because the time-space continuum means nothing. It means nothing In here. Harmony. Yeah, so, I mean, if they were at... Her house is a Lopez Fitzgerald house. Mm -hmm. So then they would have had to, like, maybe walk, cut across the town green. Oh, that would make sense. And then go to the book cafe. Yeah. So whatever. They're at the book cafe. I'm going with what everybody in this show has said, which is, it's pizza night at, at the, the book, book cafe. cafe. <laughs> which is next to the pizza shop. Yes. I mean, also, who goes and gets pizza from, like, a cafe when there's a whole establishment dedicated to pizza next door? Maybe the pizza hut. What's it called? The pizza, the pizza shop. The pizza shop hasn't been established. Like, maybe that is a future business venture that okay. will occur in later seasons. Okay, all right. Maybe okay. Harmony is a developing town, and, yeah. you know, they're... I don't know. They're under construction. Yeah. Okay, all right. Okay. Maybe it isn't there yet. And maybe. that's why they have to do pizza night at the book cafe, because that's the only way they can get Italian food it's in Harmony. Italian food. <laughs> <laughs> Everything else is lobster and burgers. Lobster and... Well, no more no burgers. No more burgers. It's only lobster and sandwiches. Seafood and sandwiches. <sighs> Gotta cook at home. So, Whitney heads over to Pizza Night at the Book Cafe. And the next time we see her, she is reading an article with pizza and a pop in front of her. And the article is entitled, Healthy Sex Life Improves Court Performance. And she imagines seeing her, herself in the magazine with Frank Lomax. Yeah, and it's like one of those pictures that come to life like in uh, Harry Potter. Like a mini fantasy. And he's like got his arms around her and then they kiss. And then she snaps out of it. She's like, I've been spending too much time with Teresa. <laughs> Like, good. Okay, good. You you realize that that's ridiculous and crazy. And then I wrote down that Lomax enters the premises, spots Whitney at the table alone, and approaches his underage prey. <laughs> that's exactly what happens. 
That's exactly what happens. He And then she kind of tries to get rid of him, but he invites himself to sit down with her. He's like, you got two slices of pizza here. So she had clearly like ordered for Teresa. Yeah. So, okay. So, yes. She had clearly ordered for Teresa and was sitting at a table waiting for Teresa. So why did Teresa wait behind? I don't understand. did not say. Either they didn't say or we just missed where Teresa, why Teresa had to wait. Maybe maybe it'll come up in the next episode. Maybe. I just don't know. I don't know. But he invites himself to sit down. He says, oh, are you waiting on somebody? Must be waiting on Teresa. And she's like, no, no, no. I'm not waiting on Teresa. And then he's like, oh, are you waiting on a boyfriend? Yeah. A beautiful girl like you must have a boyfriend. And she's like, no, they're both for me. And he's like, oh, I like a girl with a healthy appetite. (laughs) So then. I hate it. He sits his ass down with this teenage girl and starts to flirt with her. And she says to him, oh, well, I really... She's trying to get rid of him. She says to him, oh, I really wanted to read this article. I wouldn't be very good company. It's about rackets. And he grabs the magazine. Yeah. Takes the magazine from her and sees and sees the article. And is like, oh, this article isn't about rackets. It's about if sex life can improve court performance. Is it true? He asks a teenage girl about her sex life. Mm-mm. It's disgusting. Mm-mm. The whole thing was extraordinarily disturbing. Well, even it would be disgusting between two two adults. It was, yeah. It, right? Like, that would be disgusting between two adults if yeah. a man who I didn't really know sat down and started, like, talking to me about my sex like, like looking at my article like ooh is this true has yours has sex really improved things for you blah blah mm. blah uh where no please yeah no. no it was awful and Lomax then was like oh yeah I hear you're pretty good at tennis I've been asking around about you and everyone says that you're great I was thinking about calling you up for lessons and Whitney's like ah uh, no I don't think that's a, such a good idea and he goes you don't have to be nervous around me I mean he's Sounds like he's grooming her because that's exactly what he's doing. This is is a pedophile. He's grooming her in like two ways too. Like he's grooming her in the way that we see it kind of a sexual way. Mm -hmm. But he's also trying to soften her up Mm -hmm. and trying to get information out of her and trying to manipulate her. Because he says, oh, you don't have to be nervous about around me. And I realized that I was wrong about you. And Teresa, like, why would you lie to me? Right. And she was like, yeah, you were wrong. (laughs) Yeah, he's just gross. It's just gross. And I can't tell if Whitney is, like, kind of is attracted to him and just is nervous because it's a cute boy, even though it's a grown man, or if she's nervous around him because he's onto her friend and she doesn't want him to. Or maybe it's a combination of both. Yeah, I think it's both. I, I think she does have a little crush both. on him. Yeah, I mean, she had the little fantasy about the pictures. They've been Ugh. showing us that she has, like, little crush on I him. I just hated it. I just don't want it to happen because it's so disturbing. Yeah. This is, ugh, a child. She's like a sophomore in high school, and this man is, is grown. Yeah. Grown. Well, as they're sitting ugh. down talking, he says he wishes he still had his sketch. And he, he says, but I don't need it. I could recognize that girl. She has such a distinctive face. And right when he said that, Whitney sees Teresa at the pizza counter with her back turned to Whitney. And it's like, you asked Whitney to order pizza for you. Why are you ordering pizza? Yeah, that was... Look, I'm not going to try and understand it. <laughs> they they knew that they had to get this set up together where, you know, and they just very kind of clumsily made it happen. Yeah. And I'm... I'm just going to go with it. It's fine. Everything is fine. So then Teresa turns around and sees Whitney and starts to like wave at her, but doesn't see Lomax, whose back is turned to Teresa. Still, she should have known like, oh, there's a, there's man. a strange man sitting at this table. And Whitney is trying to like 
with her eyes, be like, uh-uh, go away. Like, yeah, kind of surreptitiously here. telling, giving her friend smoke signals to run. But Teresa starts <laughs> to, like, bounce on over, <laughs> right? She's like, oh, okay, there you are. And then Whitney decides to just, like, fake choke. So she's just like... And <laughs> 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 she's, like, pretending to choke and cough. She's, like, trying to use her hand to, like, wave Teresa away. And her eyes look wild. She's yeah. like, run. Yeah, <laughs> Teresa, run. Teresa doesn't really get it until Lomax stands up, stands up and kind of comes around and, try, like, puts his arms around Whitney. And it's supposed to be, like, a Heimlich kind of thing. Yeah, he didn't do the Heimlich, But he though. didn't do that. He, he just, just put his arms around her. Up. Yeah, he only put his arms around her. Whatever. So he was just like, are you okay? And then... Teresa sees that Lomax is there and she's like, oh my goodness. And instead of running out of the book cafe, leaving this fucking business, she runs behind the pizza counter and just like crouches down behind the pizza counter. Have you ever been at a job, at your job, working your job, and one of the customers comes (laughs) and like goes into the employees only space and nobody says shit about it? Oh, like, if that no. happened at a job of yours, would you say, wouldn't you say, like, you can't be here, ma'am? That has happened at a job of mine. Um, when I worked, uh, and when I was in grad school, I was working for an accessory store, mm-hmm. which I think has gone bankrupt. Charming Charlie. Charming Charlie. I think it went bankrupt. But um, at the time, the back office area, like, there was, like, a door that led to the back office. And we, on the other side, had fitting rooms. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, like, there was clear signage, but people always would, like, look at the, the door to go to the back room and think that that was how you got to the fitting room. <laughs> the store was enormous, so, like, I, I guess I kind of get it. And it happened a lot, so clearly... It wasn't it wasn't obvious to shoppers, but I was constantly having to say that's the employee break area and the back room, like the fitting rooms are over there, you know, like constantly checking people right? because they kept trying to go the wrong space. So no one would just like get back there and I wouldn't notice. Right. You know, and these pizza people in their costumes, they have on red and white striped tight shirts like t-shirts they look like gondoliers yes that's exactly what they look like yeah yep with the like the hat and everything the ascot yeah the whole thing the, the whole nine yards the whole nine yards they look like gondoliers yep. i'll put a picture up the the uniforms that employees wear in these in these restaurants are amazing they're hilarious and i love them. every single one of them is exceptional so whimsical i, I wish restaurants had like whimsical uniforms for their employees it creates it creates atmosphere i think you wish it but if you were working no exactly exactly wants no parts of it (laughs) i feel like it is it is like reminiscent of like disney costumes right epcot Epcot. if you go to yeah anywhere you go to disney yes everyone is dressed to the nines and everything is very stylized and very atmospheric and yes lots of whimsy but like just in your life around town (laughs) i would love it (laughs) you go to red lobster and everyone's dressed like a fucking sailor love it (laughs) i wish everywhere i went people were dressed in costumes and like sang songs singing and dancing down the street look i want to live that life (laughs) i want to live that life i wish that was just a regular thing that we all did and decided like we're all gonna learn how to sing every month we're gonna learn like four new songs and a new combination <laughs> and we're, and when and if anybody starts the song then we all got to join in the whole world just agrees just like on a handshake deal like we now live in a musical yeah yeah and we'd have world peace because people would be too busy learning their fucking songs and their and choreography their, and their step ball change <laughs> to to bother each other kind of like the shuffle of the <laughs> buffalo is really really tricky i just so, can't figure it out i can't figure out these windmills <laughs> Okay. <laughs> okay, I'm done with this. So, Teresa doesn't leave the restaurant. She hides behind the pizza counter and nobody says shit to her about it. Then Frank Lomax decides, okay, I've harassed this girl enough. This child. Yeah, I've touched her and done 
unspeakable thing. So <laughs> I'm going to leave now. And he takes his food and he is heading out. And as he's heading out, the pizza dough, the guy, there's a guy yeah. like flipping the pizza dough and it falls on Teresa's head. She, he like throws it up in the air as Teresa stands up. It's falling down. So it, he's reaching up to, to catch the dough, but it lands right on her head. And Lomax sees the, the end result, which is a pizza dough like on top of this person's head but he of course cannot see her face and he's such a d-bag he goes <laughs> hey whoever you are i hope you like pizza and it's then not even walks good, out it's not even funny it's not even a good line it's not funny it's something that a bully would say yeah. it's not clever it's not funny it's not helpful he's if you can't ass. say something nice don't say anything at all just leave didn't we learn from thumper and bambi yep. like fuck off frank lomax the predator <laughs> yeah. i can't not only can he not draw he's not artistic in any fucking way he's harassing a child and he's making dumb jokes if it's a dumb joke but it's clever and funny fine yeah but he's not clever no he's just dumb he's so dumb Ugh, he's just a giant dumb dumb you hate him i hate <laughs> I, look if there's one way to really get me going it's pedophilia oh my god don't get me started actually okay let's i hate frank lomax let's move and I, I recognize that whitney is a teenager but she is still an underage girl and there's a th- there's a problem with the way that we think about predatory behavior and that it's different when it's a girl versus a young child and it's unacceptable. If you are underage, you are a child. Mm-hmm. I agree, girl. I do. I think yeah. Yes. Correct. 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 So he leaves, thank God. And the pizza guy takes the dough off of Teresa's head and she walks over to Whitney and Whitney's like, "Didn't you see that I was sitting with that guy? Like, why didn't you leave and (laughs) then Teresa starts to Teresa is has her fucking head in the clouds I swear oh yeah she then starts to tease Whitney I I saw how he put his arms around you good going Whitney Uh, next time I'm with Ethan I think I'll fake choke too so that he puts his arms around me and Mm -hmm. Whitney gets pissed she's like Teresa that's not what I wasn't doing that because of him blah 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 she's like I wasn't fake choking well I was but it was to help you dummy yeah poor Whitney poor Whitney And I'm sorry, I know I'm on a soapbox, but, like, these are two girls, two underage children, right? And they don't know better, right? They're they're teasing each other, they have a little crush, whatever. Teresa is is teasing her friend, right? Lomax is an adult, (laughs) so it is not the same thing. So don't at me about how the girls are doing the same thing as a grown adult man, because they're not. No, That's all I'm going to say, I'm going to stop talking about it. Okay. I'm so sorry. (laughs) No, it's okay, I get it. No, I get it. It is completely different. Mm Mm-hmm. The onus is on the adult. Yes. Yep. Anyway, so what else happens? That's almost the end of that. That's basically basically it. That's basically the end of that scene. But Lomax walks outside and he records himself because pedophiles just can't help it. On his tape recorder. He records himself on his little tape recorder and he's wondering whether whether or not Whitney pretended to choke on something. She was faking just to get his attention or if it was authentic. Disgusting. (laughs) Disgusting. (laughs) Yeah. Like he's feigning interest in doing doing the job that Ethan asked him not to do just as an excuse to hang out with children. I yeah. can't. I'm, I have to stop talking about it. It's just making me angry. It's disgusting. Yeah. I hate that they're doing this in this show. But, you know, I think it just goes to show like that time has changed. It's only been 20 years, mm-hmm. but I don't think that the reaction I am having now is the same reaction that people 20 years ago no. would have when they watched this on no. television. No, you know? no, 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 no. Not at all. I think it's just we think very differently about predatory behavior and we should because it's wrong well and we you know the saying goes when you know better you do better yeah and i think people learned have learned more over the last you know 20 years about consent and that i mean consent i feel like i've always kind of known about it right and but the most that i was taught really was like 
no means no. Mm-hmm. That is clear cut, but sometimes it's a little more nuanced than yeah. that, right? Like a child can't give consent. So that's like right. a whole nother thing. And I think that's something that people were not talking about in 1999. That, yeah. You know, like, yes, a small child, nobody is questioning, can they give consent? But people question about teenagers. Right. If they can give consent. And it was like a back and forth. And I mean, the age of consent is different all over the country. Right. You know, in some places it's as low as 13. It's, which is despicable. Yeah. Because so, they're, I mean, look, they're a child, but when will we learn to respect women and children? I think we're learning now. Oh, just, yeah. it's like embedded, like just like the fact that it's embedded in entertainment like this and is laughed off like some light little fun little thing mm-hmm. is I think indicative of the mindset of, of the country, you yeah. know? So I, I don't know. I, I'm just hoping that it continues to change. That's all. Okay. So let's head over to the park. Yes. Yeah. Let's go. Okay. Over at the park. Kay and Simone are talking, and Jessica shows up. She sure does. And Jessica tells Kay, the greatest news. Charity is our cousin. (laughs) The greatest news. Charity's our cousin. (laughs) Mom found her sister. It's great news. This is wonderful. And for me, Jessica, this is the best possible news because it also hurts you, Kay. Mm -hmm. Right? She doesn't say that, but she's excited. And I think she's genuinely excited. I think so, too. And I think she thought that telling Kay this information was just going to be a little bit more satisfying. But what she learned was horrifying. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. She found out. Yeah. That Kay, her sister, is worse than imaginable. Mm -hmm. Because Jessica finds out that Kay took the picture of her family and hid it from Charity and intentionally kept this a secret from everybody. Yeah, she starts to kind of put things together. Jessica, Kay says something that kind of clues Jessica in. And since Jessica is her sister and knows her devious ways so fucking well, she just pulls it all together. Mm -hmm. She's like, you took the picture off of the refrigerator so the charity couldn't see it. And you've known this all day. And you are trying to keep our mom from her sister for a boy. And this is all about Miguel. And she is horrified by it. Really. She's like, you were one of the first people to suspect something. And instead of doing anything about it, you hid it from everybody. And what you did was wrong. How could you hurt our, our mother like this? Yeah. And then Simone, of all people, tells Jessica to lay off. She's like, lay off, Jessica. Kay feels bad enough mm-hmm. already. She already feels bad enough. Simone, this bitch just slapped you not like two hours ago. Simone is just so desperate for love. Mm-hmm. She's Looking just so, she's so fucking desperate. She's so ignored at home. Like, her mother and her sister love her, but, like, she does not, you know, have the attention that she needs from her father and probably from the family, you know, as much as she needs. And she just she just has no one. She, the only person she has is Kay. And she's yeah. desperate to, like, lose her. It's awful. So. This is a story about trauma. All these people are so traumatized. All soap operas are. We need to oh. watch Degrassi. Have you ever watched Degrassi? No, Girl, I've seen it. You would, I, I feel like you would not like it. Because it is about children and they and all of the shit they go through. Yeah. It's very good, though. Ugh. I mean, I grew up watching it. It's different when you, like, see it through the eyes of an adult than when you are seeing it through the eyes of, like, that age group, though. Like, I remember I did watch The O.C. Mm-hmm. I loved that show. And when I was in, like, high school, like, early high school, I so empathized with the kids. I was like, oh, my God, this show's so great, blah, 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 blah. And I loved it. And I recently re-watched it, and I was so on board with the parents. <laughs> <laughs> like these kids are awful and and like what was i thinking you know 15 years ago when i was watching this and more than 15 years ago when i was watching this and blah 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 so it's you know it's just life and perspective yeah kind of changes everything it does change everything (laughs) i I rewatched started rewatching degrassi but it's like a huge undertaking it's 
thousands of episodes. Oh, wow. Just, like, it's... Because it's been going on since 1999, and it's still fucking going. Whoa! Yeah, like... 21 but, years? But I, I, would, I would probably stop when the class that I grew up with, like, graduated. Mm-hmm. I... I Watched a little bit after that, but not a whole whole lot. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't I wouldn't continue after that. I don't care about those kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just care about Emma and Manny and Spinner and Jimmy and you know Paige, Michael, Chuck. Yeah. Okay. okay. Anyway, back to passions. <laughs> but like, let us know if y'all want us to do a, a Degrassi podcast because I'll do that one hundred percent. Okay. We should do that. Uh, another yeah thousand multi thousand Let's just make episode this our full-time show. Job. Okay. Oh lord. So. <laughs> So, Jessica realizes that Kay is worse than she could have ever imagined she was, right? Mm. And then Simone tells her to back off, and then Kay tries to turn everything around again, as if she's not the villain in this story. Kay really thinks that she's the victim. Yeah. She thinks that she is the victim in every scenario. She's like, Jessica, everything has worked out perfectly. Everything's fine. Everyone's happy except for me. Like, mom gets to have her sister. You get to have charity as a cousin. Miguel gets to have charity. Blah, blah, blah. But what about me? Girl, what? She's so selfish. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like selfish doesn't even begin to describe that mentality. I, yeah, like, I feel like she is the unfun version of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh, yeah. Like, she's, I mean, look, I don't know anything, but she needs some clinical diagnosis. <laughs> like, she has a personality she's disorder. A malignant narcissist. Yeah, there's something going on. Yeah. Oof. There is something going on. Yeah, so Jessica threatens to tell everybody what, what happened. And Kay turns everything around and tries to play the victim and blah, blah, blah. And Simone pleads her case. So dumb. And, oh, and Kay even tries to make a deal with her. Yeah. Like, oh, I'll give you my allowance? She does. She bargains with her a lot. Because yeah. Jessica goes, you're despicable, Kay, and I'm going to make sure everyone knows what you did, right? Mm-hmm. And so then, like a true villain... Kay starts to bargain with her because she could be bought. So she assumes anybody else could be bought. Mm. She's like, okay, Jessica, what will it take for you to keep your mouth shut? Yeah. And she's like, I'll give you half of my allowance for a whole year. And then I'm thinking, girl, you starting very low. You got to at least start with the whole allowance. I love it. And then she's like, I'll I'll give you all of my allowance. Okay. And Jessica's like, you don't get it, do you? I'm not like you. And this is wrong. I happen to know right what's right and what's wrong. And what you did is wrong. And Simone does kind of plead with her. And then Jessica decides not to tell tonight. She was like, you know what? I'm not going to tell. And I'm not doing this for you. I'm doing it for Miguel and mom. They deserve to be happy tonight. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to keep this to myself. But you're going to have to deal with the fact and the fear. Deal with the fear that I can tell it anytime I want. Yeah. So Jessica, now Jessica's kind of holding this over her head. I get why she's not going to tell them tonight. But if she's going to tell them, which I don't know if she necessarily should, if she's going to tell them, she needs to do it soon. Yeah. 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 She can't let this one ride for long. How do you feel about that? Do you think she should tell? That's really tricky. Because it's just, it's just hurtful. It would hurt. Exactly. It it would, it would hurt the people who love Kay and Kay wouldn't give a shit at all. Kay would only be upset that they're mad at her. She wouldn't actually feel any kind of guilt. And it would give her more reason to feel like a victim. Mm Mm-hmm. Right? So I kind of feel like she shouldn't tell. And it would. It, don't, it would only hurt Grace. It would only hurt yeah. Sam. It would only hurt Miguel. It would only hurt Charity. Yeah. I think I would just do what Jessica's kind of doing and saying, I'm going to hold this over your head and I can blackmail you with it whenever I want, you know? Yeah. And Kay's response to this is, um, well, I've been in love with Miguel for years. I deserve to be with him. Because Jessica has stormed off and she turns to Simone and is just like ple- trying to plead her case again and be like, don't you, don't you agree? I deserve to be with Miguel because I've been loving him for years. 
he, I deserve him. She's a fucking incel. She sounds like an incel. <laughs> yeah. Involuntarily celibate. Yeah. Is de- what she is. She deserves him. She And she's violent. She has, yeah. like, violent tendencies, just yeah. like an incel, and thinks that she deserves sex <laughs> by any means necessary. She really does. Yeah. Oh, my God. Kay. Kay's an incel. She's an incel. I, like... Uh, I hope no incels listen to this. If you do, stop, please. If you do, get it together. Go to <laughs> therapy. Because here's the thing. She's operating in a world where she's the only person who has agency. Mm-hmm. You know, she just thinks that everybody should bend to her will and do what she wants for her life to be easy and suitable. You know? And that's not yeah. fucking real. Like Daenerys. That's not how... Like Daenerys. She's like Daenerys Targaryen. Little princess. <sighs> thinks she deserves the, the throne. Yeah. So, Kay is an incel... I hate her, but she at least comes to her senses a little bit, and she tells Simone, I have one more night to win Miguel. I'm going to do it. I'm going to get him alone. I'm going to tell him that I love him, because without Miguel, I don't have anything. So I don't have anything to lose. Yeah, she doesn't have anything to lose. She should have just done that in the first place. And I know as teenagers, and even as adults, it's very hard to, like, admit your feelings to someone. But if you feel that strongly about it... It's hard to put yourself out there, and I get it, but come on. Yeah, but if you feel that strongly about it, she should have done it by now. Yeah. She's been doing this for years. She's willing to harm her family and loved ones. Yeah. In order to protect her her own feelings. But you know what it is? That fear of rejection. She'll put herself out there, tell him, he, tell her, him she loves him, and then he will basically like shoot her down. This is her worry, that he'll shoot her down, and then she doesn't have any chance mm. left, right? But as long as he doesn't know that she loves him she can try to make him love her keeping hope alive at all costs unfortunately so Kay heads back to the bennett home where we find grace and sam celebrating yeah so grace and sam had left after grace gets off the phone with faith she gets a chill down her spine and tells sam about the little girl about how she had warned her about the night how she would need strength and courage and sam is like look there was no little girl You are exhausted because you had such an emotional day. And Grace is like, I just wish I could see my sister. And Sam's like, let's go. You want to see your sister? You're going to see your sister. So I assumed that he and Grace hopped in the car to drive over to Castleton. It's what I wrote in my notes. That's what I wrote, too. But it turns out they went to the electronics store to get a webcam. Yep. (laughs) They went to get a webcam. So they came back to the Bennett home. And Sam and Miguel are setting up the webcam. And Grace is anticipating getting to see her sister for the first time. Mm -hmm. And it's all very sweet. And they get it set up, and Faith and Grace finally get to see each other. And it was really quite a moment. It was, it was so a moment. Heartwarming. It was so nice. I like. I got a little teary eyed. Little verklempt. Yeah. It was. It was a good moment. Mm-hmm. Oh, it felt so good. And honestly, even though I am almost one, I'm ninety nine percent sure these two women are never going to see each other like in person. Mm-hmm. But I feel good. Knowing that they got to see each other, they know each other. Were you know mm. are alive. I have gotten enough of a, of a resolution that I feel okay with. Okay, that's good. Like truly, it that's made good. me feel good that they got to talk, and they both were comfortable. Mm-hmm. And it's unfortunate, but that's all. I, that's really all I needed was for these two people to actually have the realization that my twin sister is alive, mm-hmm. and we see each other. We know we're who we say we are, Mm -hmm. you know, (sighs) because Faith was having so much doubt. Yeah. It's just so nice to finally see 
face with like the warm fuzzies. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yes. Like she's, like she's been so distraught this entire time. And just imagine she's been living her whole life like this. Yeah. Basically since Grace disappeared 20 years. 20 years. Again, just traumatized this woman. You know, so it was just it was just so nice to, for her to have that moment. For both of them. It, there was a deep sense of relief. And I yeah. think that's what has been frustrating me is that there has been a shit ton of tension. Mm-hmm. And every time they miss each other, it's like that tension knob is turned up a little bit more. Mm. More and more tension. And so I'm feeling that fucking tension. And I don't care for it. Mm. And then once they saw each other, it's like, she's relieved. I also. I too am relieved. <laughs> I, too, am relieved. It's like, oh, finally, thank God. So they have a sweet little conversation. Mm -hmm. They talk about evil and angels, yes? A little bit, yeah. Faith is like, you know, your amnesia must have wiped away everything that our mother and our grandmother taught us. You know, I'm going to explain more to you tomorrow. Uh, I don't know if they'll meet, but I will explain more tomorrow. But for now, please believe there are powers determined to destroy us. And then she says this, and it's just so ominous. I just hope and pray they haven't yet learned that we have found each other. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as I said in the last half of this episode, too many people are talking about, I'll see you tomorrow. There's no way nothing, there's no way anything bad can happen. Too many people are saying that bullshit. Mm. And Tabitha, meanwhile, is over her house doing some crazy ass (laughs) shit that we will get to and saying like, I'm going to crush all these people like bugs tonight. Yep. Oh, goodness. So, Grace and Faith get off the webcam. Well, first, Grace offers Faith and Charity to come live with them at the Bennett home. Right, right. right. So, Grace and Faith are having this little conversation. And in the towards the end of the conversation, Grace says to Faith, I would love it if you and Charity would come live with us here at our house. In Harmony, we have plenty of space. And we could make up for lost time. And Faith agrees. She's like, I would love that. So we're moving in tomorrow. Really? Like she says that. Yeah, we're like, moving in tomorrow. And Grace is like, can you come at dawn? Like literally, <laughs> like there is no time that's too early. Oh, it's so, I'm so sad already. I loved what she said. I know. It just seems too, uh, I don't know. Because Grace is like, well, once morning comes, once we're together, there will be no power strong enough to separate us ever again. Also, can we talk mm. about the fact that over at Tabitha's house, she's like sc- screaming because she has gone down into the basement and we will get further into it. But yeah. she, we hear her. While we're at the Bennett's house. I wrote that Like too. yelling. And they notice it. But nobody, nobody goes does to check anything. on her. <laughs> I, was like, I wrote the same thing down. And I was like, maybe we're not supposed to hear it. Like, I was so confused. They because, heard it. Mm-hmm. And nobody goes to check on her. It's crazy. I mean, she's an old lady. Well, at who's one point, yelling. At one point early, before she gets on the webcam with Faith, Grace is like, maybe I'll go check on Tabitha. And Sam's like, what the fuck? Don't you want to talk to your sister? <laughs> yeah, like, fuck her. And she was like, yeah, I guess. <laughs> so I thought maybe that was going to turn into a thing, and then it didn't. But then we heard Tabitha scream, and nobody reacted. I, I don't know. Sam, like, heard it, but I think he just, like, I hope she dies. <laughs> Sam does not like Tabitha. He's like, if it's her time, it's her time. <laughs> ever, ever the practical man. Anyway, Kay, Kay and Simone return to this home, to the Bennett home. And Grace has gotten off the phone with Faith and gives Kay a big hug and tells her the good news. And then Kay's standing there looking at Miguel, who's talking to Charity again on the, the webcam. And she's, you can tell she's just like kind of building herself up to confess her love to him. Mm. So we shall see what happens with them. But now. I hope she gets her fucking heart broken. I hate Kay. I, you know. I'm not even glad I want her to get her heart broken. I just need someone to slap some reality into her. She's not going to tell him. Huh. Right? Yeah. So let's go to Tabitha's house. Yeah. This was my favorite part of this episode. Yeah, can you tell us what's going on? Because we all we know is that Tabitha is screaming. So remember, we last left Tabitha in the basement. She has gone down into the basement to get assistance from 
the basement demon. I don't know what's down there. Her friend's down under. She's going down, down there because she doesn't have enough strength on her own because she's used up all of her power. Yeah, her basically. energy is depleted. And so she goes down there and she tells them, Help your minion, Tabitha, to keep the sisters from meeting. She calls herself a minion. <laughs> I need more power. Yeah, she needs more power. Give me, give me, give me the power. And then she like tries an incantation. And she's just like, bubbles and boils, ashes to dust, blood boiling, blah. And nothing really happens, right? And she goes, I don't have enough power. Please. She's like asking for more power from this demon in the basement. I don't know what is there. And then we cut away from her and we see Tab and we see Tammy upstairs and he's really scared and worried. And we hear Tabitha wailing, screaming, screaming, screaming. I mean, and Timmy's upstairs like, oh, Tabitha, this isn't funny. Like she, mm. he, he's so worried about her. Right. Mm-hmm. And he, the door to the basement, like, swings open, seemingly, like, by itself. And Timmy's like, stop kidding around, Tabitha. <laughs> like, he is so scared. So, as he should be. Mm-hmm. And then we hear Tabitha's bracelets. He's like, I know it's you, Tabitha. I can hear your bracelets. Clank, 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 clank. And then a fucking German shepherd comes through the door <laughs> And we know that this dog is Tabitha because it's wearing her bracelets around its neck like collars. Tabitha turned into a German shepherd. Tabitha turned into a fucking dog. And that's the end of the episode. How is that going to help her? I don't know. She's a dog? I don't know. She's a hellhound? I don't know. How is she? What? I don't know, Laura. <laughs> I really don't know. This is, it was shocking. It was shocking. Did you know this was going to happen? Fuck no. You didn't remember no. it? No. <laughs> no. There's one very distinct thing I remember about Tabitha's basement, and it doesn't happen until much later. Oh, my God. Yeah, so Tabitha's a dog now. <laughs> what is this show? <laughs> I love it. I love it. Oh, Tabitha. She's so great. She gives such a stirring performance with these insane lines and she's wonderful the actress who plays tabitha is is wonderful yeah she is so tabitha's a dog now and grace and faith are planning their life together (laughs) that is it ain't gonna happen i i'm telling you it ain't happening (sighs) i it's not happening so that's it right that's it that's all she wrote i thoroughly enjoyed this episode yeah 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 it was good these, I, I liked both of these episodes. You know, they gave me some Teresa and Whitney, so mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I'm good with this. Mm-hmm. And also, they gave me some good resolution with the twins. Mm-hmm. They really did. It, it was enough resolution for me. Yeah. Because I was ready for them to never see each other. That would just be cruel. Yeah, it'd be awful, but, but at this point, just like, give it up. Yeah. But they saw each other, and we don't have to give up on them. So, let's uh, finish this bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening. You can, if you're not already following us on social media, please do at Passions Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. You can also send us anything you want to send us, questions, pictures, whatever, at passionspodcast at gmail.com. Yeah. Please uh, rate, review, and subscribe. It especially helps us if you rate us on Apple. You can leave us like a little five-star review. Yeah. You know, I said that backwards. Give it, Leave us a review and a five-star rating on yes. Apple. I, said it, I twisted it. Yeah. And we love it. you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for hanging in there with us. And on our next episode, we should have our new studio set up. So we'll see Yay. how it sounds. So let's finish this, bitch. You are my passion for life.